Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today we are reading Genesis 43, but before we do that, we really need to recap the action from the previous chapter real quick. Uh, so Joseph's brothers had gone down to Egypt because that was the only place you could get food. There was a famine in the land. Uh, they didn't recognize Joseph when they saw him. And instead of telling them who he was, Joseph set up kind of this test for his brothers. He spoke real harshly to them. He accused them of being spies. He even held one of them captive while the rest went back home and made them bring back their youngest brother when they came. So he sent them back on their way. He secretly gave them back all the money that they had spent on the food they bought. Um, that's where we left off the story last chapter. So Picking up in chapter 43, it says, But the famine continued to ravage the land of Canaan. When the grain they had brought from Egypt was almost gone, Jacob said to his sons, Go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said, The man was serious when he warned us, You won't see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you send Benjamin with us, we will go down and buy more food. But if you don't let Benjamin go, we won't go either. Remember, the man said, You won't see my face again unless your brother is with you. Why were you so cruel to me, Jacob moaned? Why did you tell him you had another brother? The man kept asking us questions about our family, they replied. He asked, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? So we answered his questions. How could we know he would say, bring your brother down here? Judah said to his father, send the boy with me and we will be on our way. Otherwise, we will all die of starvation. And not only we, but you and our little ones. I personally guarantee his safety. You may hold me responsible if I don't bring him back to you. Then let me bear the blame forever. If we hadn't wasted all this time, we could have gone and returned twice by now. So their father, Jacob, finally said to them, If it can't be avoided, then at least do this. Pack your bags with the best products of this land. Take them down to the man as gifts, balm, honey, gum, aromatic resin, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Also take double the money that was put back in your sacks, as it was probably someone's mistake. Then take your brother and go back to the man. May God Almighty give you mercy as you go before the man so that he will release Simeon and let Benjamin return. But if I must lose my children, so be it. So the men packed Jacob's gifts and doubled the money and headed off with Benjamin. They finally arrived in Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the manager of his household, These men will eat with me this noon. Take them inside the palace, then go slaughter an animal and prepare a big feast. So the man did as Joseph told him and took them into Joseph's palace. The brothers were terrified when they saw that they were being taken into Joseph's house. It's because of the money someone put in our sacks last time we were here, they said. He plans to pretend we stole it. Then he will seize us, make us slaves, and take our donkeys. The brothers approached the manager of Joseph's household and spoke to him at the entrance of the palace. Sir, they said, we came to Egypt once before to buy food, but as we were returning home, we stopped for the night and opened our sacks. Then we discovered that each man's money, the exact amount paid, was in the top of his sack. Here it is. We have brought it back with us. We also have additional money to bribe, buy more food. We have no idea who put the money in our sacks. Relax, don't be afraid, the household manager told them. Your God, the God of your father, must have put this treasure into your sacks. I know I received your payment. Then he released Simeon and brought him out to them. The manager then led the men into Joseph's palace. He gave them water to wash their feet and provided food for their donkeys. They were told they would be eating there, so they prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon. When Joseph came home, they gave him the gifts they had brought him, then bowed low to the ground before him. After greeting them, he asked, How is your father, the old man you spoke about? Is he still alive? 
Yes, they replied, our father, your servant, is alive and well. And they bowed low again. Then Joseph looked at his brother Benjamin, the son of his own mother. Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? Joseph asked. May God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried from the room because he was overcome with emotion for his brother. He went into his private room where he broke down and wept. After washing his face, he came back out, keeping himself under control. Then he ordered, bring out the food. The waiters served Joseph at his own table, and his brothers were served at a separate table. The Egyptians who ate with Joseph sat at their own table because Egyptians despise Hebrews and refuse to eat with them. Joseph told each of his brothers where to sit, and to their amazement, he seated them according to age from oldest to youngest, and Joseph filled their plates with food from his own table, giving Benjamin five times as much as he gave the others. So they feasted and drank freely with him. All right, so we're kind of in between things here in this chapter. Um, A lot of the action has been set up in the previous chapter, and we we haven't made it to the big reveal yet when Joseph is going to reveal himself to his brothers coming up. Um, But the part that really sticks out the most to me right now is Jacob wrestling with this problem, with this question. How do I keep my family safe? How do I send my sons for food when doing so might cost me everything? And I wonder, have you ever felt like you just, you had no good options? Like no matter what choice you make, you're going to end up on the losing end of it. And I really feel for Jacob here because he's in a bad, bad position. On the one hand, there's a famine and they can't get enough food to support the whole family. If they don't do something, people are going to starve. But on the other hand, the only option that they have for food is in Egypt. And there's this mysterious stranger there who has really put his sons in a bind. He's refusing to sell them food again unless he also sends his youngest son along with them. He has to send all of his children, not holding any back. So it's either do nothing and starve or do something and potentially save his life, but lose his entire family. What do you do? When your only option is to walk down a road that you're not sure where it's going to end up, but you actually fear the worst, it's really hard to move forward, isn't it? It's really hard to make that decision and take that first step. So what we see Jacob doing, I think is really natural. I think that I would do the same thing. He waits as long as possible. He agonizes over the decision for a long time. He's hoping, just hoping that something is going to break in and change the situation. But finally, he acknowledges that it's unavoidable. So he makes whatever preparations he can to increase the odds ever so slightly in his favor. Here, take extra money, take extra gifts. Let's give him the best of what we have and maybe, just maybe, we'll make it through this. It would feel so much better to be able to control the outcome, wouldn't it? Like we would just feel so much more comfortable if we knew what to expect. If life would fall to a predictable rhythm as if this one, you know, like this was just a simple errand running to the store and and you knew you'd be able to get what you needed there. But what happens when life isn't so predictable? What if they don't have what you need? And in this case, what if they might not sell it to you? 
to follow a path that is outside of our control is a really hard thing to do. It's a really hard decision to make. And Jacob takes a long time to make it. Here's the secret though. The secret is it's actually all outside of our control. Now, I know that our lives can be pretty predictable for the most part, and we might feel comfortable in our normal rhythms and and knowing what to expect that, you know, if we do A, then B will follow, or at least it will follow enough of the time that we feel comfortable with it, and we feel comfortable thinking that we are in control of that outcome. But then there are still times that things happen that surprise us and, and shows us that life is actually outside of our control, right? Like, like Jacob could plant crops and he could expect a harvest, but what if there's a drought? What if there's a famine in the land? See, the normal course of action doesn't yield the security that we thought we could count on. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden in those moments, we see clearly it was never in our control. It never was. We just didn't realize how precariously that balance Uh, of life was. But if there is one thing, if there is only one thing that we are going to take away from the entire book of Genesis, I, I mean, I hope there's more, but if there's just one thing, I hope it's this, that God is in control, that God is in control. Whether it's through famine or disaster or disease barrenness, flood, enemies, or even the schemes of well-intentioned people, it is God who is in control of it all. It is God's story that he is telling. It is God's purposes that will be fulfilled in the end. Not mine, not yours. And knowing that, understanding that, and taking that to heart, you know, actually... I hope that that is a comfort and that that is a confidence to us because it's not up to me. Whether our world is in great shape or, or whether our world is falling apart around us, it's not up to us. It never has been. It's been God's story from the beginning. It's been the story that he is telling. It's been the work that he is doing. Everybody that we've met in Genesis, their role in the story is to follow God as he tells his story. So for us, when you look at the world around you, when you look at your life, I wonder, do you see something that you can control or do you see something that is spinning out of control? Because the truth is, The truth that we need to take to heart is it's all God's story. It's all his. So how can we hear from God and how can we follow in the story that he cooperate with the story that he is telling? It's been God's story from the beginning. So let's follow the story he's telling and let's (laughs) let him tell us what's going to happen next. Let's pray. 
God, I ask for your comfort. I ask for your strength today. I ask for the confidence in you, not in my circumstances, not in the world around me. I ask for the confidence in you. God, would you provide that supernaturally to us today as we look for you and look for the story that you're telling in your name. Amen.